founded. He woke. It's the Skinny on Sports Podcast with Aaron Cowell. I throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Monday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour as we recap what happened over the weekend. We'll start with the high school football on Friday. Uh, look ahead to what's coming up this week with a bunch of those games in the high school sports world on the uh, gridiron being on Thursday uh, this week because of some fall breaks. So we'll tell you what happened last week. Look forward uh, to this week as well. Uh, in the middle a segment, the embarrassment that is Oklahoma football down in Dallas, the worst beating in the history of the Red River, Rival- Red River rivalry for Oklahoma and a 49 nothing loss. What can be done? Uh, there's a lots and lots of questions uh, hanging out there. Oklahoma State held off Texas Tech, and that sets up a huge game this weekend against undefeated TCU. And then, of course, it's Monday, and so that means Jim Traver will be stopping by at 9.30. We'll get his thoughts on all of these things. I'm sure he's got plenty of opinions uh, about what happened in Dallas and then also in the NFL world as well. So that's what we've got on our, our mind. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That's 225 9698 Nine eight. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things. Or if you've got something else out there, uh, feel free to chime in at two two five nine six nine eight. If you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're going to be outside the listening area, there are a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. One of those is to log on to kadsam.com. The other is to download the Paragon Communications app. The app's got it all. It's got three radio stations here in Elk City. The Penny News is in the app. You can check out the deals and this week's Penny News online at thepennynews.com. Also, Big Elk TV and Paragon TV. As I mentioned, a bunch of that stuff will be Thursday this week with the live streaming of the high school football. And then, of course, the Skinny on Sports podcast. If you missed the show entirely, you can go back and find it uh, online at kadsam.com, or you can go find us on iTunes. Good morning, Jared. Good morning. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you doing? I'm, I'm really good after that breakfast burrito. I want to tell you something. I posted the pictures. Uh, we are at Big Splash Burger, by the way, uh, this, this fine Monday morning. I posted the pictures of the breakfast that we just had uh, from Big Splash onto our Skinny on Sports Facebook page. I shared it with my personal Facebook page, and it is every bit as delicious as it looks. Yeah. I mean, just the perfect start to the day to come by here and have a little breakfast uh, to get your day started, yes. get your week started. Sometimes you get it, you see pictures of food or commercials of food, like from big chains and stuff, yeah. and, and like, oh, that looks great. Then you go get it, and like, that's it? Not here. No, that picture doesn't really do it justice, to be honest, because no. you've got to come here and check it out. That food, now what you had would look really, really good. I went toaster. A toaster? I went, I went with the toaster sandwich, and it had... Uh, Delicious sausage, egg, and cheese. Man, it was almost like the. It, it was almost like a. It, it was a double decker. Yeah, that's why I saw that. Like three slices of bread. It was beautiful. Yeah, it looked great. Absolutely beautiful. So yeah. Stop by I'm right across the street from the radio station, uh, right here on Pioneer. Big Splash Burger. We appreciate those guys uh, hooking us up and letting us be here this morning to get the show started. Um, all right, Jared, what do you want to start back with high school football? A week ago, you had uh, on Friday night kind of a, oh, a daunting task for us anyway. I had the daunting task? We all, we both, we all did. Drew had, a, Drew had to be out in the middle of the rain all mm-hmm. night long up yeah. in the press box at cash. The Elks, once again, for the second straight week, started – a little bit slow, and a special teams mistake was was very costly again this week. Uh, last week it was the punt blocked by Clinton. This week the fumble on the opening kickoff, and that's actually three straight games dating back to the Carl Albert game as well when they ran the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. So, so er- odd. Early special teams mistakes uh, have been a problem for Elk City in the last uh, couple of games, but as the game wore on, I thought Elk City's guys up front, offensive line especially, started to really take control of that game against Cash, uh, and the Elks were able to kind of play keep away 
uh, from that explosive cash defense or offense, excuse me, in the second half. And the Elks get a score right before halftime to take the lead for the first time all night, 20 to 14. Then they outscore Cash 14 to seven in the second half, or 16 to seven, I guess, in the second half to to, to pull away and win, 36 uh, to 21. So just kind of give me your thoughts on what you saw on Friday night from Elk City. I never had a doubt, to be quite honest with you. I'm not saying that because we are on the broadcast on the Big Elk TV broadcast, and and you know we're rooting these guys on. But even after the the early fumble on the kickoff and and getting down seven to nothing, and and then missing, you talk about extra point, or uh, special teams missing the extra point, the potential tying extra point, you never know how much that could be uh, detrimental moving forward in a game. But to me, Aaron, I never had a doubt because of that offensive line, how they were able to control. We've seen it time and time again this year where that offensive line wears down the opponent, wears them out, and Elk City gains control of the game. And it puts a lot of pressure when they can go on those long, extended scoring drives. It puts a lot of pressure on the opposing team's offense to try to match that. And you see them pressure uh, themselves. And then all of a sudden, the Elk City defense is doing good things, too, getting into the backfield after wearing them out on the last drive because this is 4A. you got a lot of guys going both ways. And a great secondary play, uh, too. So, Again, never had a doubt. It, it, you know, it's never easy going to cash by any means. Whether you know it'd be a lack of a ref or for us out in the rain. And Elk City is out in the rain as well. The guys are out there in the rain. And uh, but you know, kudos to them overcoming it. Overcoming it. Every road game is going to be tough. It always is. And that's one of the toughest ones. Is going down uh, to Comanche County to cash Oklahoma. So that's a nice win for the Big Elks. Now they got to quickly turn around. Because now they got, just like what Coach Maynard says, now the most important game of the year is this week, and that's Chickasha. Yeah, I totally agree with about everything. And it, it was uncomfortable just because of the way the game started. And, you know, Cash for the really kind of the first time since the Carl Albert game, I guess, where it felt like the other team really had a, a beat on what Elk City was doing defensively. Um, Daniel mentioned it on the broadcast a couple of times. With, the, with those large splits on the offensive line, it was creating some uh, cutback lanes or some some running room for the cash, um, either either the the running back Muldowney or those guys that were going on those jet sweeps. It felt like the Elks were did a pretty good job stringing some of those plays out, but because of those splits, there was just running lanes that were opening up, um, kind of a, you know all of a, a Texas Tech from back in the day with Mike Leach. But as the game wore on, I thought the Elks did a really nice job of just adjusting to what was happening, not panicking, staying in to, you know, with what they were doing. And eventually, uh, the Elks pulled away and were able to win. So that sets up, as you mentioned, Chickasha coming to town on Thursday. It's fall break this week, so Thursday is the uh, game. Big Elk Stadium is going to be number Numbers one and two in the district, Chickasha 3-0, Elk City 2-0. The only two teams that have yet to suffer a district loss in 4A1 will be going out at on Thursday. I know Malik Murphy is going to be a key defensively for Elk City to figure, way, figure out a way to stop him uh, as he's a, a really good-looking running back uh, that, Chickasha, excuse me, that Chickasha has. And they're coming off a 23-0 win in the district on Friday night up at Woodward. So, you know, the Fighting Chicks, they're one of those teams that you never kind of know going into the season. Yeah. You could see it going really well because of the athletes they got out there. I mean, they'll, they're one of those teams that getting off the bus, they look like one of the better teams that you're going to see is from an athletic standpoint. They do have a brand-new first-year head coach as well. And so I think this is going to be an interesting test for the Elk City Elks. Uh, because it, it just seems, without really seeing much, but knowing what they had coming back, it does feel like this matchup is going to be strength on strength, at least when Chickasha has the football, uh, with running it with Murphy and the Elks having to figure out a way to stop him. Yeah, and, you know, uh, the Thursday night games always make me nervous, too. So, you know, the short time to prepare for it against a quality opponent. I didn't know about the first-year head coach thing. So you could throw out anything that you saw last year about Chickasha or the years before because it's a brand-new head coach. There might be some familiarity there, but for the most part, you're going to see a lot of different things. And who knows? They might have hold back a little bit um, with this game circled on their calendar, too, going, you know, Elk City's going to be one of the top contenders in 4A1. And so we might see some things we're not used to seeing. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a dogfight on Thursday night uh, here at Big Elk Stadium. Yeah, and the winner uh, really takes a huge step forward uh, in the district race especially if that winner can be Elk City because of what we saw 
in other games around uh, the district on Friday night. One of those was the Custer County conflict and Weatherford going to Clinton on homecoming night and dominating that game from just the score-wise from start to finish. 30-10, to 10, the Eagles beat the Red Tornado, so now a two-game losing streak in the district for Clinton. Uh, and Weatherford quietly kind of sneaking up the standings. You see them right now alone in third at 2-1. and one. They, um, <clears throat> They've got a huge game with Cash this week, and if they can come away with the win and Elk City wins, then you're setting up another next Thursday, a week from Thursday, another game that could potentially be, at that point in the season, kind of a district title game. They just get bigger and bigger, don't they? Yeah. Is Weatherford, I think, you, you know, last year was a down year for them. It appeared that the early part of this year was going to be a down year with the losses that they took. But now that they, you know, they beat Woodward, which is, okay, everyone expected that. And, and then they move on. They beat Clinton. And are they making that turn? You know, are they are there are the young guys growing up right, right. before our eyes mm-hmm. and making that turn uh, to get back to way Weatherford football is usually played over there? So, yeah, the cash will be. You know, I mean, where's that one at? It's is, at Weatherford. It's at Weatherford. So, keep an eye on that one. That you know, obviously we will. And uh, is that also on Thursday night? Assuming no, it's on Friday. It's on Friday because night. Weatherford doesn't have. That's that's the reason I think why. Elk City and Weatherford are going to play a week from Thursday because that's when they're taking their fall break. Gotcha. And so, yeah, that'll gotcha. be a, that'll that's be a right. Friday. That's why we're playing them that's on right. Thursday. Yeah, that'll be a Friday yeah. game. About the, It's the only one in the district and one of the few around the state that will be a Friday night game oh. instead of that Thursday. It's going to have a lot of attention then being the, uh, the lone show on Friday night. But, yeah, the, I mean, are they making that turn? So we'll see. If they can beat Cash, then suddenly that sets up something really big for the next week. But we can't look ahead. Can't look ahead. Got to look real. Look at cat or chick shade right now, or that all everything we just said means nothing. <clears throat> yeah, so it'll be Thursday night, Big Elk Stadium, Elk City, and Chick shade down in uh, District uh, Class A District One. No real surprises came of the the games. I haven't found a, a Moreland Hooker final, so if somebody has that, it'd be nice to uh, be able to to see that. But Fairview went to Sayre and dominated, as you figured, sixty three to fourteen. Burns Flat Till City whipped up on Merritt, sixty to eighteen. Texoma. Beat Thomas forty-three to eight. So those were, uh, you know, where the <clears throat> the game where the favorite definitely won. And now Fairview and Burnsflat Dill City feel like that they are on kind of a collision course for Week Nine. Both of those teams three and zero in the district so far. Texoma two and one, and then whoever won that Moreland Hooker game would also be at two and one, um, kind of trying to separate themselves in the race for the last spot uh, for uh, Class A's District One in the playoffs um, coming up this week. Uh, Fairview and Moreland, Burstline, Dill City will go to Thomas. Texoma is at Hooker. And then, Jared, the battle for Beckham County out at Merritt between the Oilers and the Eagles. Can you make it a thing this year? I, I've already heard other people call Refer- it that. Referencing it. The battle for that. Beckham County. There needs to be a trophy that, that's handed off to the winner every time. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Like the Beckham County <laughs> Bell or something. Something like that. Maybe just a piece of Route 66 or something. That might be illegal to go out there and start chunking off pieces of Route well, 66. I just, I just mean if you already had one. <laughs> no, yeah, no. I, uh, but that that could be a fun game. How about Burns Flat? They're looking really good. They're looking really good. A big one with Moreland this week. Or, uh, no, wait, no, no, no. They play Thomas. Never mind. Fairview and Moreland. I'm, I'm just. I'm. It, it feels like when you look at the scores. We're just waiting on week nine, and we're waiting on that game to happen uh, to see exactly where, where Burns Flat Deal City mm-hmm. stacks up uh, with Fairview because it's more than more than obvious that Fairview is, is not only a real contender to win that district, but they I think they're going to be a real contender to win the entirety of Class A. Uh, down in Class B's District 1, of course, Laverne and Hollis played on Thursday. Laverne handing Hollis their first loss. Turpin beat Beaver, as we expected, 48 to nothing. Beaver's kind of the, the odd man out this year, unfortunately, for them in that district. But then, maybe not the, the winner, but possibly how big a spread it was. Balco Forgan beat Shattuck 62 to 34. That's a four touchdown win for Balco Forgan over Shattuck. Not very often Shattuck gives up that many points and loses like that. That is a, that's an eye opener. And speaking of not very often, one of the biggest games from around the state. The two biggest games that, that we thought were out there last week both turned out to be complete and utter duds as Coweta blew out McAllister 49 to nothing on Thursday. But then on Friday, uh, in, a lot of people's 
minds and in rankings. It was number one and number two in 4A, Cushing and Wagner uh, at Cushing. And Cushing put a pop not on Wagner's head, 42 to nothing. The Cushing Tigers whip up on Wagner. That's another score that you don't see very often a team uh, with the, the tradition and the recent history of Wagner getting blown out like that. Yeah, that was in, in a lot of uh, you and me included. A lot of people like Cushing in 4A, and now we see why. You know, a lot of people also thought Wagner was going to be back to being title contenders. I'm telling you something right now. That is not title contender right there. You don't see it very often. Hopefully we don't see. You know, sometimes, though, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Remember Clinton, Elk City last year, and then they meet in the semifinals, and and we saw what happened. Who knows? You know, that that game is then what happened between Cushing and Wagner. But what if they meet up in the semifinal Mm -hmm. matchup? And we might get a little closer game, I would expect. But – but, man, that, that is uh, telling you how good Cushing – we knew Cushing was going to be good because we saw them for our own eyes what they're going to be and then what they're going to bring back. Everything. Everything. <laughs> and uh, they're, they're proving it. They're, they're hungry this year. I think they felt like they were uh, – they bowed out a little earlier than they, than they wanted to last year. So they're, they're proving it so far. Tulsa World is the only rankings I can find so far. Um, and in 4A, Cushing is number one. In Poto, two, Elk City comes up to third. Uh, after the losses in front of them by Tuttle uh, and Wagner. Tuttle also, that, that was a little bit of a surprise losing to Blanchard uh, this week. So it's Cushing, Poto, Elk City, Bethany's four, Wagner stays at five, Blanchard six, Tuttle seven, Broken Bow eight, Newcastle nine, and then Chickasha makes their uh, appearance into the top ten with the Chicks being at number ten. So that's number three and number ten coming up on Thursday night at Big Elk Stadium uh, with Elk City and Chickasha. Pay attention to 4A2 if you're a Big Elk fan. Not trying to look too far ahead, but just pay attention to how that district shakes out because that could that that's very uh, that, that that means a lot as far as what happens in the playoffs. And to give you an idea of where uh, the first matchup might be, uh, it was just golly, isn't it hard to believe there's four games left? A little bit, <laughs> four games left in the high school football regular season. Hanging out this morning at Big Splash Burger right here on Pioneer. Shalina's in the house. Evan and Montana are in the house. We had to talk to Evan that last break about. OU football. I was hoping you'd be more wanting to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, but unfortunately, he wanted to talk about the Sooners. Uh, Jared, 49 to nothing. Oklahoma loses in Dallas in the Cotton Bowl. The worst loss in the history of that rivalry for Oklahoma. Uh, only the 65 to 13 beatdown OU put on Texas in 2003, the worst, uh, the biggest margin of victory for either side in that long storied rivalry. There's a lots of things to, to unpack with what's wrong at Oklahoma. How surprised are you? You know, with the quarterback thing, you, you knew that Gabriel wasn't going to be as good or it wasn't coming into the season like what Caleb Williams was a year ago. But you also assumed, or, or at least I did, that there would be an upgrade coming defensively just because of the mind of Brent Venable's versus the mind of Alex Grinch and, and the, you know, the track record that Brent Venables has on defense wherever he's been. And that just simply hasn't been the case the last three weeks. I mean, Oklahoma was just ran over uh, for the last two down in, down in the Metroplex, one by TCU this week by Texas. What is, are there answers defensively, or is this one of those things that uh, OU fans are going to have to um, kind of rest their hopes on the recruiting season and Venables being able to hang on to the guys that he's got committed to then start the process of turning defense around at Oklahoma. I think it's a big part of it. You got to get, if you're an OU fan, to be patient and, and let him get his guys there and, and get that culture switched to what the way he wants it. Because I still think there's a little bit of that, uh, dare I say, soft culture. So kind of hanging around and there's that kind of entitled culture too of we're OU and we'll be fine and everything's going to be okay and we're going to walk into this place and have no problem and uh, they got to get that out of their heads. Um, I've heard some talk, people say that in some of the players, which is a good talk, saying, you know, we're we're not the headhunters, we're the hunted. We always will be if we're 0-3 or 3-0. and That's always how it's going to be. And that's still the case. There's a lot of people gunning for OU right now because they're down and they want to exact revenge after 20 years of beatdown, Kansas. So I think it's going to have to, there's going to have to be some patience here with, with Venables and staff and, um, and um, you know, and letting him get his guys in there 
his culture guys, you know, those those guys that are there to run his system but also to run his system mentally inside the locker room. And that's good. I don't think, and I, I've said this over and over, you were a fool if you thought, and I'm, I'm a fool too, I'll admit it, because I was I was kind of drinking the Kool-Aid of thinking, well, this is going to be fine, because, but we're not even a calendar year away from, from Venables returning to campus. You were a fool to think if they were going to be national title contenders immediately. I think it's going to take time. Now, how much time does he got? That's, you know, there's those rumblings. There always will be. Uh, with a program like Oklahoma, when there's some hard falls, uh, I he, he I would hope that he gets the time he needs, and then when it becomes evident that okay you've had enough time and it's the, a lot of the same, then it's time to move on. But that should be years down the road for me. But just give him time. I think that's the answer. <clears throat> yeah, I, that's going to be the problem because historically, every listen after next year, you're gonna if you look back at the history of college football. So the, year two, right? Year two, yep. by, by year two, you know if you have the right guy or not. Right. You just do. I, almost outside of maybe Dabo Swinney. Everywhere else, you know by year two. And, and it's not to say that you're winning national titles like Stoops or Saban got him back into contention or Jim Trussell at o- Ohio State those years ago or Urban Meyer or whatever. But you know you can see the trajectory is pointing up. After I mean, look, year I mean, two. Fine example, look at Tennessee and Heupel. But and Heupel's doing second, it right now. Second That's year, right. In, in right now they got game day coming to town, and they're liable to beat Alabama with the way Alabama looked against A&M. But, so yes, yeah, year you, two. You know then. You, you can tell then. And, and then when it, when it doesn't work out, you, you're, you're not almost spinning your wheels, right? Sure. I understand the, the idea. I think there's a really delicate balance here of because it's obvious that, that Benevoles is hell-bent on implementing his style of defense and the problem is he doesn't have the right guys to play that defense so do you sacrifice record to build your to build your style or do you sacrifice a little bit of the building of your style to try to salvage a little bit of record and try to make some adjustments to to your personnel as as, instead of trying to fit round pegs and square holes uh, yeah. with the personnel to run his defense. Well, that goes back to the patience thing. I think he got to, he's got to be almost stubborn to a point of this is how we're going to do it. He is being. He's being he very said, stubborn. And that he was, said it after the, after the game was over. Like, listen, this is what we do. This is what we're going to do. Right. And so the, to me, that is a, you know, that, listen, he believes in what he believes in. So I think that answers your question and is what he said after the game. That's, and that's all well and good. But is it, back to the recruiting part of it, though. Mm-hmm. Is a three and nine and losing the last nine games of the season? What does that? What does that look like as a result in the recruiting game? Uh, yeah, that's the next concern. Are those guys really recruited or committed to to uh, visions or the Venables' vision? Yeah, or they just committed to a winning program, and that they see, well, okay, it's dipping a little bit. They're not winning. Looks like three and nines. This is going to be, you know, or could they be? You know, you said it before. Go thinking, you know what? I can go in there, play immediately, have success. It's it's that that's it, and it's going to probably, if you're an optimist. You can say, okay, well, that guy decommitted. He's not. He was only committed to himself and not the university and not the program. And the guys that stay committed are the ones that we really want. And I don't know about that, but yeah, that's that's the next concern is the recruiting. Oh, to me, it's the only concern from now on for the rest of the season, is because it's obvious the guys that are there aren't the guys that he needs to run this style of defense. It's obvious. And so how that's such a delicate balancing act to do what you're trying to do and implement what you're trying to do, yet still have enough positive momentum going forward into the recruiting cycle to be able to hold on to those guys that they have committed. That's, to me, that's the only focus in my mind right now for Oklahoma the rest of the year because of the season. You know, any goal that was, that was set for – uh, good results is done. I mean, there's yeah. no chance you're going to the Big 12 title game. Uh, at this point, you probably just try not to have every single thing about this season mirror what happened in 1998 with all the uh, just bad. I mean, every single stat you heard during that game 
for futility basically went back to that season. Yeah. Uh, Pre-Stoops in, in John Blake's last year where they lost five in a row. Uh, it's the last time they lost three in a row. So, the, you know, that's – it's been a long time ago, and, uh, and there's probably a bunch of people that don't really remember that. I know the last time they were shut out was that A&M game. I was there. It was cold. It was raining. It was 51 to nothing, and it looked like uh, those two games – Reminded me of the same. The, the same thought was, where is the hope? Right. Where is the hope? And for this season, at least, I don't think there is any uh, with Oklahoma. And you know, I, I think that you're starting to see how much great porter, uh, great quarterback play can mask tons of issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oklahoma's had these same issues for the past however many years you want to go back, right? But great quarterback play and great offensive play has been able to mask these things even in even in 11 and 2 year last year uh, the Sooners should have lost at least two more when you think about the way that Kansas game went and the comeback against Texas you know those are losses without just a superhuman effort from a quarterback and I and I think that that that's what's what has happened and it's going to take more than uh, this to be able to more than this time frame to be able to change that and get things going in the direction that uh, that Oklahoma is trying to get them to go go with, I don't think people are going to give up on Venables yet. But man, w- when you see the the way that that looked and the ineptness that it looked like was out there on the field, those questions are going to start to get asked. And at some point, he's going to have to be able to answer them. Up in Stillwater, things are totally different. Uh, a good win against Texas Tech. You know, Tech's been a team um, that's played pretty well to start the season. Turnovers have been their bugaboo. Uh, but OSU fell behind and then scored the last 18 um, to turn a 31-23 deficit into a 41-31 win. And now that sets up a massive game down in Fort Worth this week uh, between undefeated uh, Oklahoma State, undefeated TCU. Uh, the Bear, Chris Felica, just tweeted this out. Coming up on Saturday, it's a huge Saturday. It's going to be only the second time in college football history that there are three matchups on the same day of teams 5-0 and or better. We've got Penn State, Michigan, Alabama, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, and TCU. The other time was 1993. Uh, so this is a, a huge college football Saturday coming up, not only in the state of Oklahoma, but also across the country. What's funny is all those teams, I mean, you almost want to call it shakeout Saturday, right? Because you're going to get a lot that are shaken out and contenders and pretenders, but some of them, the majority of them could suffer a loss and still roll off and, and still be in that title or a, a playoff conversation, you know? So, but yeah, that, that's going to be a fun Saturday. And then <clears throat> back-to-back weeks, we're going to see about Oklahoma State's secondary because the tests will come. TCU this week, Texas next week. Uh, probably the two best set of skill position guys in the conference uh, outside of them are there with TCU and with Texas. So we're going to find out uh, exactly kind of where OSU is. Are they a a playoff contender or just a Big 12 title game contender? Uh, We'll find that out, I think, in the next two weeks. All right, when we come back from – My mind's been made up. Back real quick, I know we got to get Jim on, but that game, I know they fell behind, but kind of like the Oak City game, I had no doubt Oklahoma State was going to win that game. Yeah, I was kind of the same way too. Just kind of waiting for them to blow up or uh, blow up the scoreboard and and – get out of there with the win I had no doubt and you know Sanders you can see a little bit of the maturity he didn't have to try to get it all back at once right. and, and so they didn't make the soul crushing mistakes that we've seen in the past for him so a, a nice efficient game from Spencer Sanders I'm telling you guys the, they open for breakfast at 6 30 Jared and I got here about 30 minutes before the show Jared enjoyed a, a good looking breakfast burrito I had it this double stacked toaster sandwich with three pieces of bread, a bunch of sausage, eggs, and cheese. It was absolutely delicious. Big Splash Burger right here on Pioneer uh, in Elk City across the street from the radio station. So it's, it's, it's not a home game, but it's close for us just walking across Pioneer to get everything set up. Uh, Please be joined now by the voice that you will hear at 2 o'clock right here on this airwaves. He is the ultimate Jim Traber. Jim, how are you this morning? You're making me hungry. Oh, man. I'm going to have to send you a picture of that uh, toaster sandwich. I mean, it was like a, it had three pieces of bread and there was sausage in between, you know, like double stacked. It was absolutely delicious. That sounds good, man. You know, I think I'm coming out there a week from the day, I believe. Once Again, coming out. 
So and I'm hoping I'm trying to get Julie to come. So uh, I thought I, you know, we'll, might as well set up lunch if you guys aren't tired of me. No, absolutely. Out. You know, we were wondering if uh, we were wondering when you said Julie might come if you were coming out here to recut that podcast that got lost uh, with Jeremy and, and Des. We're we're trying to because um, because uh, well, trying to figure out whether Jay Pitts, the engineer, could do it. So we're we're hoping to come out and do that, but. Uh, yeah, that's unbelievable that we lost that. It's an incredible. Uh, that was an incredible podcast with Jeremy Gray and his wife. So. But we'll get it done eventually. And we just got done doing the one uh, for yesterday, talking all about the uh, about the state fair and everything like that, and all the things we do. And then, of course, the one before that was our year anniversary one. So we uh, we've been getting after it, Julian Jim Traver podcast. Well, I guess we uh, let's start down in the Cotton Bowl, um, Oklahoma, with the worst loss that they've ever suffered to Texas. They haven't; they're setting all these marks that haven't happened since 1998, which is a total negative uh, in that regard. Here is my question: After the game, Brent Venables was still um, steadfast in his belief of what they do, especially on the defensive side. It seems like there's a big-time balancing act that they're going to have to figure out here between running his system, implementing his system and his culture versus trying to figure out a way to tailor things to the, the personnel that they have in order to be successful enough to hold on to the guys they have committed that then maybe can come in and run his system. Uh, just give us your thoughts on, on that and, and what you saw, just the debacle that was uh, the Red River rivalry. I think that people are con- <laughs> excuse me, they're concentrating way too much on the system thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm sure that it's hard to run it, but unless dudes are idiots, by now they should have a pretty good grasp of it. I mean, I played defense and I played offense, okay? And on defense, there's a lot of different things that have to be done, but the number one thing is what's your job on that play? What are you supposed to do? It's kind of like in baseball. <clears throat> Every time I was playing first base, on every pitch, every single pitch, I knew if the ball's hit to me, what am I going to do? If the ball's hit over there, what do I do? Now, after a while, it comes second nature. And I think that's what's hap- not happening with OU's defense. You know, it's not coming second nature to any, I mean, to a lot of them. But, fellas, that, you should not lose the way they lost, lost that game um, if you're just worried about where you're supposed to be. I mean, I think you. You could put the defensive players out there and say, we have no system, and you could look better in what they were doing. It's embarrassing, absolutely embarrassing. Um, and I'll tell you, Brent Venables, I love the guy, but uh, his honeymoon is over, and he better figure out some things. You know, I, I um, before the game, on the pregame show, Al asked me what I thought that the line would be. And I said, I thought, I thought that OU would be favored. I, and I said seven. And then after the game, I said, you know, I don't, I don't think there's any way that Kansas could be, um, could be favored, but this might change it. And then I saw it came out at like seven and a half. What is it right now? Do we, what is it right now? I think it was seven uh, when I looked at it this morning. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know how anybody could bet on OU giving seven, especially with Kansas being a better team. But even the Fat Jack text, uh, even the Fat Jack texted me this this morning and said what the heck is this you know so everybody knows that this line looks ridiculous and uh, usually when a line looks ridiculous the ridiculous side is right but I don't know I couldn't put my hard money hard earned money on this but yeah the defense with uh, Brent Venables is obviously bad but I'll tell you what the most embarrassing part of that whole game was the fact that Jeff Levy didn't try another quarterback I'm sorry. You know, if I'm General Booty, when I got home on that bus from Dallas, I uh, packed my locker and I told them I'm done, and I would go and uh, and I'll go and, uh, and and get in the transfer portal. And by the way, they may not care. He may be so bad, but I don't know how in the world any human being could sit on that sideline who calls himself a quarterback and think that they should not be in the game. I don't, I don't have any idea how that could be true. I would have been going, I've been running up to the coach going, hey, what are we doing here? I mean, can I play? And then the Evers kid, I don't know how long we could hear, well, he's not ready. Are you kidding me? There's freshmen all over the country that are ready. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. And then, 
I talked all week long about how they had to do different things. Well, that's it. Mark Rogers brought it up. I guess he had a little bit of inside source, but they ran the uh, they, they ran the uh, uh, the uh, what's it called? Help me again. Oh, the wildcat. wildcat. Yeah. yeah, with Willis, and it was really good. It was beautiful running the ball with Farouk. I mean, it went good. And then they said, "Okay, we're not going to do it." They just stopped it. I don't know why. It was being successful at the time. The game was still close. And um, then they bring him back in the quarterback. And who the heck knows why? I don't know why. If you guys could help me, that sure would be good. Here's the other thing. Why in the heck, why in the heck do they put it, when they run that, do they stand quarterback out at the edge and just stand at it? Right. I don't understand that. I mean, first of all, you're playing 10 against 11. I don't know if you saw, but there were two or three times where they ran the ball towards where he was, and he's not blocking anybody. How about you put a fullback out there? How about you put a block the dude in front of him? I, I thought Jeff Levy was, frankly, a joke. That, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm being very serious. I, I thought he was an absolute joke in this game. And uh, we'll see, because, you know, let me tell you something. If, if Brent Venables is going to continue to say we're going to keep doing the same thing, and when it keeps the same, of course you don't fire anybody. I'm not saying anybody's just fired right now. But if this is the way it goes the whole season, fellas, they better make some changes on his coaching staff too. Because, you know, football nowadays, big-time football, it's not, the you know, well, you give them three full years. or No, they don't do that anymore. They don't do that. He better figure it out. I will tell you this. I saw some of the OU brass after the game just walking over when I was walking over to do the pre-post-game show. And I'm telling you, they had looks on their face that were thoroughly disgusted. I don't know how anybody could not be anything different. So they better figure something out quick. And, uh, look, I, I don't care if you, you, know, you lose games. Just be close. Have a chance. I mean, have a chance to win the game. But they had no chance at all to win that game. And, frankly... It's a shame that it's really sad for them that they're playing Kansas because to me this is a no this is a no win situation. I know Kansas is better. There's no doubt they're better. But if they lose to Kansas on their home field, oh wow, that would be beyond belief. If they beat them, well, people will say, "Heck yeah, you better beat them. You got a lot better players." So I think it'd be better if they were playing like Baylor than it was uh, Kansas. But I'll tell you, just an embarrassment, an absolute embarrassment. I've never thought I'd see the day that I would be talking about OU like this, but we are. And unfortunately, it may not be all his fault, the head coach. And like I told you guys, I love the guy, but you got to tell the truth. That, that was a total embarrassment down there. Yeah, and, and I think for me, at least, uh, talking to the people that I've been talking to since the, the game started and was over, it, it's one thing with what happened with the quarterback and not having Gabriel and all that stuff. But the, the concerning part for a lot of people is, now, wait a minute. I thought that the guy was, the, you know, the, the, the credentials that he comes in with on the defensive side, what in the world is going on that this, that he could actually make Oklahoma defense look worse than it has in the, in the past handful of years? Everybody knows it wasn't any good. And when we're starting to see you know what? just how good those quarterbacks were to mask all these problems and be able to be as successful as what they were. Yeah. That's a good point. The quarterback play does mask it. I will say this, though. You, you know what? As I was think how much better? How much better are the players at Clemson than OU? Yeah. I mean, seriously. I know they were there for a while and they recruited for a while, but, I mean, Oklahoma is so – I don't want to hear how great four stars – I don't want to hear it. Their players are not very good. I've been hearing about Washington for three years. Three years. Okay, and I don't know if you guys noticed they played him at safety. Yep. Have you ever heard of like a great shutdown corner that they suddenly move to safety? Come on, these guys aren't any good. They're not. They're not any good. I mean, I, you know, the homers are going to tell you they are, but they're not. They're not any good. They got a bunch of players that are average players, and uh, and that's what happens when a bunch of average players don't know what they're doing because that's what we saw in the Cotton Bowl, and that's what we saw the week before. We saw a bunch of average players not know what they're doing. And guess what? If you play a college football team that's decent, they're going to light you up. And let me tell you another thing. Oh, you fans aren't going to want to hear this. Uh, Texas, I'm not calling them back, but they're on the way. Mm -hmm. 
They're on their way. They got athletes. They got speed. They got a great quarterback. You see the way he flicks the ball? It's like he's not even trying. Um, yeah, he is. He's, he's big time. So I'm not saying that this is going to be a bad run, but oh, you better figure some things out because Texas is good. They're good. Let's move on to Stillwater. OSU looked really good. They were they had a battle there with Texas Tech, but I told Aaron before he brought you on, I really never had a doubt that uh, Spencer Sanders and company would take care of business, and they did. Uh, what do you think about OSU? And, and you know, Tell us about what your thoughts about that game was, and then they got a big game coming up down in Fort Worth against TCU. Yeah, boy, I'll tell you, they, uh, you know, I, I, I picked Tech. I thought, I thought that Tech was a decent game. And, uh, boy, it turns out that, oh, you covered it. I mean, oh, you covered Is that crazy? Aren't you glad? You don't, I, I'm so glad that I don't bet games. <laughs> um, because you talk about a horrible – I mean, that game, there's no way that OSU should have covered nine and a half. And they covered it by half a point. But uh, they, they're – listen, they're an experienced ball club on offense. They know what they're doing. Spencer Sanders is – I mean, he's. I think he's probably the best. He's not the most talented quarterback in the league, but I think he might be the best. And, um, and they're just rolling along. And this TCU OSU game is going to be huge. I, I think what TCU is a three point favorite. Is that what that game started at? Yeah, I think that's exactly where it's at right now. That's probably about right. I mean, this. I would say this. It's not going to be too early to say it, but I think that whoever wins this game probably goes to Arlington. I mean, unless they fall apart. TCU is in, uh, in really good shape if they win this game. You know, so and then OSU too. Even though OSU is behind everybody in a game, as far as you know, they only they, they had that off week at the beginning. So um, yeah, huge game, great win. I thought OSU's defense. You know, they gave up points, but I think that they're playing pretty good football. And uh, I think that um, boy, that Joey McGuire is crazy, huh? <laughs> right off the bat, first drive is going for it, fourth down. Uh, but anyway, I thought uh, I thought it was very impressive, uh, very good win, and uh, they're good. I don't know if they're number eight in the country good, but you win down at TCU, then you're number eight good in the country. If you can win down at TCU, then you should be top five, ten in the country. And I think that's what uh, that's what uh, they're trying to show us. So can't wait for that game. Can't wait. Yeah, next two weeks uh, we're going to find out exactly where Oklahoma State's secondary guys are uh, with the athletes that TCU is going to be running out there. And then, of course, Texas the next week, I believe, uh, coming to Stillwater. So in my mind, probably uh, outside of OSU, the other two teams with, with the best skill position players in the Big 12. And it's going to be a huge challenge uh, for that secondary, and I think we'll see kind of where they're at. Yeah, you're right. Texas, uh, Texas has got some players, man. Their wide receivers are good. Their running backs are good. Um, they're, that, that second team, what's his name, Johnson, the second team running back is really good. So, uh, yeah, that'd be uh, Texas. You know, can't believe they lost to Texas Tech, but they still got a chance to uh, get in Arlington, too. So we talked, I think, that good chance that maybe a two-loss team will go to Arlington. I don't know who it's going to be yet, but uh, there's some uh, there's some teams playing good football. They really are. And then there's that Kansas State team that's just lurking out there, getting wins as ugly as they can possibly be. But uh, there they are, <laughs> still uh, kind of hanging in, hanging in the race. And, and you know, you mentioned this a couple of times, but how sick do they have to be about that two-lane game, looking back on it now. Oh, I know. My gosh, man. They could, they could be undefeated. They'd be in the top ten in the country if they just beat Tulane. And, uh, yeah, but, but, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're playing well in the league. That, boy, they got, they, uh, that was a very fortunate win for them. Very fortunate. Uh, around but, I, you know, I think all of them are going to lose. I think all of them are going to lose. Around the country, uh, I saw that the, the Bear, Chris Felica, tweeted out, that uh, Saturday will be just the second time in college football history that there will be a three games with teams 5-0 and or better on the same day with Penn State at Michigan State and then Alabama going to Tennessee. Uh, it's going to be a huge day. And then also, you know, you've got uh, Utah and USC out there as well, the first real test for Lincoln Riley's Trojans. Um, specifically, though, with what Josh Heupel is doing at Tennessee, how much of a chance do you give the volunteers to keep this rolling uh, with Bama coming to town? Very little. I would think that the quarterback's going to play it too from Alabama. That'd be my guess. Um, I think Alabama goes in there and, and wins. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are fired up about the possibility of Tennessee beating them, and they could. But I just think Alabama still still has too much, 
and I do think the quarterback will play. It does hurt him a little bit that this backup quarterback, he can really run, but he's not a great thrower of the ball. So, um, but I think, I think, I think Young will play. Don't you guys think he'll play? I can't imagine. He looked pretty good over there, and I heard he's did, but, you know, he's been working out and stuff, so I would think that he'll play. Yeah, I would. Uh, what time you, is Utah USC at night? Uh, let me look here. I just had that pulled up for the schedule. I'm going to have an unbelievable Saturday while you're looking it up. I, I uh, go on the radio at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then, of course, the OU game at 11. And then afterwards, I'll go on again while we're watching the OSU game. And then I'm going to drive directly to Tulsa and play in a poker tournament that evening. And that evening, I will be watching all the TV while I'm playing in that poker tournament. So it's going to be a, a big Saturday. Big Saturday. I'm getting old, too old to do this almost. <laughs> I was say, when are you going to sleep? <laughs> yeah, I'll, you, sleep. I'll eventually sleep. Yeah, USC at Utah, 7 o'clock. That's the Fox game. It's 7 o'clock uh, at, seven o'clock at 9. Mississippi State. Yeah, that'll be great, though. You'll see Mississippi State, Kentucky, another one that's got ranked teams in it there at night. Um, let's go to the Utah, NFL. Utah just got lit, though. Dude, at least, did Utah just lose it? Yeah, UCLA. UCLA. That's right, UCLA. That's right. Yeah. Boy, Kelly, Kelly, they're undefeated, right? Yep. Yeah, they're undefeated, probably being somewhere in the top 15-ish this week, somewhere like that, after that win against Man. Utah. That is uh, – that's crazy. USC and UCLA both undefeated. Long time since that's been going on. Yeah, I think uh, Barry wrote an article in the paper today uh, about how it's kind of the worst nightmare for OU fans after what happened in the offseason and then looking out there and seeing uh, those two teams being really, really good and – your team not. Uh, that's kind of the, the worst-case scenario you could imagine uh, for Oklahoma fans right now. That's for sure. Uh, NFL-wise, how surprised are you that the NFC East appears to be the best division, at least in the NFC, and one of the better ones uh, in, in all of football? Uh, three teams with four wins in five weeks. That's only happened four times since 2002 when they went to this format. Uh, the, the NFC East is 11 and three outside of the division so far. Uh, I'm I'm shocked because I thought Philly was going to be good. wasn't sure exactly what the Cowboys would be, and then the Giants may be the surprise of the league. Come on, fellas, you guys are jumping for joy out there. Stop it! <laughs> Give me this. You have to talk about the <laughs> NFC East. I'm- what is it? Five and zero, oh, four and one, four and one, and then of course the pathetic Commanders. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's impressive, man. I mean, Dallas's defense is unbelievable. I mean, they really are good. I, I didn't think that they'd be this good. And you know, listen, Cooper Rush is a—he's okay. I mean, he's—he's he's done some good things, but that defense is what won that game, no doubt about it. What do you throw for 110 yards or something? Yeah, he was like 10 uh, of 19 so, or something. It was not very good. Yeah, yeah. Well, but they don't have to when the defense plays like that. So you got to probably you got to probably bring Dak back. It'd be terrible if Dak comes back and they lose. That would not look good. Then you'd have a big old problem. But uh, yeah, and then the Eagles are impressive. The Giants are unbelievable. I mean, my God, they go over there and beat the Packers. Yeah, it it is uh, it is really uh, really impressive what that division is doing. On the other hand, my Steelers are the worst team possibly in the entire NFL. And what's unbelievable about it is if anybody watched that game. I, I was so excited at the beginning of that game. They, they, the guy messes it, muffs the kickoff. They stuff him the first two plays, which, by the way, they haven't been doing. And then a 98-yard touchdown pass. You think that that's, uh, think that's a tough deal to deal with? But I, I will say this. I, I, I got some optimism for the future because I think that Pickett is good, and I think that Pickett is an absolute superstar. And I don't know if you've seen the catches that guy's been making. Uh, but they uh, – I, you know, they, they moved the ball. They were in the red zone four times, missed two field goals, and went on fourth down twice. So I, I kind of like what they're doing. I do. I, I kind of like what they're doing. I know that's ridiculous to say after getting beat 38-3. to three. I was dead wrong. I thought they'd be better than this. Uh, but the Cowboys, it's, it's, it's bizarro world when the Cowboys are good and the Steelers aren't, and OSU's great and OU stinks. What a bizarro world. And by the way, everybody pray for my grandson because my grandson – is an OU and Steeler fan. You think he had a good weekend? Oh, that's a rough one there. Huh? That's a rough one. 49 to nothing and 38 to 3. Poor kid. He was down there in the Cotton Bowl. And uh, my, my, uh, son and, my son-in-law just said he was so mad. He just was sitting there watching. He couldn't believe it. It was disgusting. 
and this dude's like he's 11 years old so um it's crazy it's crazy how these youngsters you think about it you don't really think about that sometimes when things go wrong for teams about like those young kids out there that are fans you know Mm -hmm. that they they love their squad so anyway um yeah it was a bad weekend bad weekend for a lot of people and good weekend for like osu fans and Texas fans, by the way, man, Allen is, he, he's unbelievable. I mean, he is so good up there in Buffalo. So good. It's ridiculous. Thank, God, thank God we're big Elk fans, right? Yeah. Well, our, our Elk City Elks I, are I winning. Mean, to, to that point, Elk City's winning and Clinton's not. I mean, it is, what, it's like the it's thing bizarre. is flipped on its head yeah. completely. So Elk City beat Clinton? Elk City beat Clinton last week and cashed this week. Uh, so they're 5 Wow. Up to number the three. Elk. Up to number three in 4A on the uh, Tulsa World Poll. I haven't seen Oklahomans isn't out, and the AP normally comes out tomorrow. Uh, but, yeah, uh, really. Who's uh, one and two? Cushing is number one, and Poto is number two. Poto. Now, if you guys played Poto, would that not be a long drive? It would be a, a four. I'm going to guess four and a half, maybe. We're used to it after last year. Yeah, we went to Grove last year, which that was upwards of five uh, hours. Poto, my gosh, Poto is way out there too. Oh yeah, Poto's yeah. Arkansas. You guys should meet in Oklahoma City and just play if y'all have to play. Uh, hopefully, we might. Might be like hopefully a it's a semifinal. Yeah, yeah, semifinals. Hopefully, it's it's that late when we'd see them. All right, I got to get your opinion on um, maybe one of the most egregious roughing the passer calls <laughs> that oh. I have ever seen in my life on Tom Brady. Grady Jarrett literally tackled him by the waist, didn't sling him down, didn't do any of that, and Tom Brady winds enough to get the call. I mean, just it, par for the course with that guy. It's ridiculous. I mean, just ab- Atlanta had a chance to win that. If they don't call that to get the ball back, it, it, that's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. I don't know how the NFL can look at that and go, yeah, that's what we want. Yeah, that's good. That's what we want. That, that's absurd is what it is. It really is. It's horrible. And, um, you know, I think that uh, I think a lot of it has to do with Tua. Yeah. I do. Tua is like changed. The, everybody is so specified about Tua that everything is, uh, I've got to tell you something. I don't know the answer to this, but I have a bad feeling that Gabriel might have been able to play. I'm not on the inside. I'm not going to say anything bad. I'm just saying that I heard from some fairly decent people that he he cleared, I don't know if it's all of the protocols, but a whole bunch. So I just think that, too, everybody's scared to death. And I think that, boy, the quarterback now, I guarantee you that the referees had meetings after last week's games and said, listen, fellas, we got to continue to re- we got to protect these quarterbacks now. We can't have things happen like what happened to two. It's bad for the league. So that, on top of the crucified nature of the game anyway, is it's ridiculous. And then you make it that it's Tom Brady. You know, he's 45 years old. You know what? If he gets special treatment, then kick him out of the game. You shouldn't get – I don't care if you're 45 or 25. You should not get special treatment, and that was ridiculous. That was like Atlanta stinks. Tampa's one of our big teams. Okay, we'll let him win. Let's go. Pathetic. I thought it was very telling on the the last possession for the Rams yesterday. Twice Stafford, he looked like he flopped, uh, just trying to get that call. And I think, and it was you know right, you know a couple hours before that happened to Tom Brady. Thinking that's very telling. You got that guy who's getting that call. You got Stafford who just won a Super Bowl in his home stadium, and he can't get that call when it, it, both the, all of them weren't needed. But I thought that was very telling. And, and when it comes down to Tom Brady and how protected he is, well, he is not going to get uh, he's not going to uh, get protected like Tom Brady. It's the way it is. And the Rams better stop worrying about that. Stop figuring out what the heck is wrong with them. You talk about a bad season after a Super Bowl. Their their offense. Is terrible, and I and I give credit to Dallas's defense, but what they had a seventy-five yard touchdown, and other than that, they did nothing. So yeah, they're uh, they're bad, and uh, they can't figure it out. And by the way, we haven't mentioned one word. We're already done. We haven't mentioned one word about the worst quarterback in the entire NFL, Baker Mayfield. Huh? I just, well, it's 10 o'clock. We got to go. Thanks for <laughs> intercepted for a touchdown. I mean, he can do it all, but it just... they just they are just. Disgusted with him in Carolina. So you don't, you don't get onto the fans, fellas. This is a great. Anyone who's out there listening, you do not get onto the fans. He he is going to get. I mean, they're going to kick him out of there soon, fellas. 
They are. They brought in that kid the other day. I guess he's in a boot. That'll be perfect for him. That'll be a perfect excuse for him. He can't play. He's so bad. He should sit out. And now he's going to sit out when he has a little bit of a sprained ankle. When last year he's dying and he played. Wouldn't that be beautiful? This couldn't. I'm going to tell you right now, I, this couldn't end any better. <laughs> I did see that uh, his QBR is literally the second worst of all time. The only, all time. The, the only one he's better than is Jamarcus Russell. Jamarcus Russell, another number one pick. <laughs> yeah. Is that beautiful, the irony? Oh, my God. At least Baker Mayfield did something halfway decent, you know, when he was with the Browns. I mean, Jamarcus Russell did nothing. He was horrible. But Baker Mayfield is, uh, yeah, he's at the top of his game right now. I wonder if he's sitting home with his wife going, I wonder, you know, should, if, should, I, just, should I just not play? I mean, things are going so bad, we're so bad, maybe I should just play this. Or is he doing what he did last year and going, I'm going, I'm going to go. I don't care what anybody says. We'll see. We will see about big Baker Mayfield. By the way, the P.J. Walker kid came in and looked pretty good. Yeah, there's uh, there's no defending him at this point uh, because he's just I, I been, put Skinny at quarterback. Yeah. Right now. Skinny, we hey, put listen, quarterback. I've been throwing some rounds to Wyatt through <laughs> at night. My shoulder's a little bit sore, but uh, it's nothing. Yeah, maybe a little stem won't do uh, to get it ready. Panther, sign Skinny. Hey, I'm over. I'm over forty, so surely I can get that Tom Brady love in the pocket there. There you go. Oh yeah, dude. yeah. They'll protect you, and I'm sure you won't be able to move out of it very well. So you have to stay right there. You're right about that. There's no dual threat in my game. It would be only uh, one dimensional uh, at the quarterback spot. I hear you. Well, Jim, right, uh, I appreciate it, man. Good Thanks so much. To you guys. Oh, you bet. Have a great day. See ya. Bye. That's the ultimate Jim Traber joining us on a Monday. We're here. Wrapping it up from Big Splash Burger. They've got uh, breakfast going on here. They opened at 6.30, have breakfast uh, to 10, lunch to 2.30. I'm telling you, that toaster sandwich I had was just, I mean, it was, it was almost, I'm going to call it a lifesaver. I, I was pretty hungry, and it was exactly what we needed. By the way, before we get out of here, we've got to look at the Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em standings. You know, I was catching a bunch of, trash talk last weekend by my man Andy Peffer and how he had never yeah. had a he'd never had a losing week and, and all this. You look at uh look at his last three weeks and he's got a three and ten or a three a three and seven, a five and five and now a four and six. And so the reigning champ has fallen all the way down into a tie for sixth. My man coach Christian is ahead. Dustin, TJ and the one we can't say are all tied for first. Uh, Jared Keys, so hey, I'm tied with the Jareds, but not you. Yeah, I don't. Jared Keys and Jared Broadbent uh, and, my, and myself tied uh, one game back. Where did Ohati Toddy go? He speaking of Western Oklahoma Realty, he had been having some good weeks. Hotty Toddy has gone to the second page. Oh no! Oh no! Did he forget to make picks? Is that what happened? I don't see him. Oh, dear. I don't see him. By the way, I didn't see him yesterday either. I, we had a birthday party. His kids were there. All of them? He's, uh, I think so. And he sent, he's, he got sent enough, his, he's got enough of them where he can rent out the skating rink by I himself. I think so. <laughs> we had a good time. Thanks, for everybody, for coming out to that. That was fun. All right. We got to go. Hang on. Not trying to, no, I'm not done yet. I'm oh. not trying to brag. Oh. I'm on the first page again and back on a winning record. I'm coming for you all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Now, good stuff. Uh, thank you to Tyler, Robbie, all the gang at Western Oklahoma Realty. People before property is their motto. It's the motto of uh, the Skinny on Sports Pick'em Contest as well. Good day. Thank you to uh, Evan, Montana, yes. Shalina, and everybody here at Big Splash Burger. We're going to be here yes. throughout on Mondays throughout the month of October. That's right. We'll be here on Monday. Tomorrow, we'll be down at Janice's Cafe. And then on Thursday, we will be at Poppy's Pit and grill. So that's where we're going to be all throughout the month of October. Come hang out with us. Have great breakfast at all these places, especially right here at Big Splash Burger. That'll wrap it for this edition of Skinny on Sports. We will be at Janice's tomorrow, uh, ready to talk about all kinds of different things. Monday night game tonight, the Chiefs. Who are the Chiefs playing? The Raiders? Chiefs Raiders? Is that the Monday night I game? I believe so. That'll wrap up. Just had that up. Huh? All right, wrap up week five of the NFL week. 
Everybody have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way.